Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Nicole Gorofsky. Nicole is a highly experienced attorney with a demonstrated, well-rounded history of working in the law practice industry. She is the owner of Gorofsky Law and has a strong sense of justice and endless passion for helping those who have been harmed. Welcome, Nicole. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to learn more about you. So, so you and I did not meet until just now. That's true. So that's fun. Yes. And we get to we get to chat and know each other. But uh, you came to me via Josh Levy, who gets Who's mentioned amazing. on this podcast all the time. But when Josh was telling me about you, and the, and then you and I chatted for a bit. The the thing I love, I mean, you're the lawyer everybody wants, right? You're the lawyer that really does want to help people and especially people who have had some very horrible things happen to them. So talk to that. Yeah, I hope that's true. Um, I think that, um, I think many things that have happened in my life have made me a champion for underdogs. And um, when I say underdogs, it's not just necessarily um, a team thing. Um, It means people who are downtrodden, people who have been bullied, people who have had horrible things happen to them. Um, Like, basically, you've heard the slogan, when bad things happen to good people. Right. Um, That's the kind of lawyer that I want to be um, and hope that I am. And so I represent victims of crime. Um, and when you say that it sounds really limited, but actually it's really broad. And so I represent people who, um, have had childhood sexual abuse, um, uh, victims of violence, um, adult sexual abuse, um, children who have suffered from bullying, um, elder abuse, financial crimes, all of those kinds of things that have happened to people in life that, make them um, the underdogs, just right. like I said. And feel like they don't have a voice. Correct. You know, and and I, and I can see where you have these things happen to you. And if you don't understand how the law works and you don't understand how to articulate it, I mean, that's what a lawyer does, right? You know how to speak to what's going on. Then that, I mean, there has to be such a comfort for the people that you represent. Yeah, I mean, that's the other part of what I do. So I'm not just a lawyer. I I do the things that lawyers do. I go into court and I make arguments and I write motions and I do all of those things. But I also make sure that I get all kinds of education and being trauma-informed because the people that I work with have been through all different kinds of trauma. And so although I'm not a social worker or a psychologist and I don't claim to be any of those things, I do make sure that I get education on being trauma-informed so that I can understand what my clients have been through and so that I can better serve them in those areas. Wow. So do you do a lot of research yeah, actually, um, I instead of just doing research, I don't like to be sort of um, uh, stuck in my own house or my own office. I like to go out and get education. So, um, for example, I'm going to uh, um, a conference in Minnesota in, uh, I believe it's in September, um, called the Zero Abuse Project Conference, where it's teaching professionals how to be more trauma-informed. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, and I that's just cool. They have something like that. Yeah, that's it's a great thing, and I fully support it. 
Um, and then I just finished going to a training uh, through Safe Connections, which Safe Connections is an organization here in St. Louis, which works with um, survivors of sexual abuse or domestic uh, abuse. And um, they put on a training for um, providers. It was mainly social workers who showed up, but then there was me. Oh, <laughs> and I don't. That's and so good. Yeah. So I go and I make sure that I get trauma informed training so that I can be a better service provider. So when you, when you say education, you mean education. It isn't just Googling. No, it isn't just <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more that goes on here, That's people. Right, I right. love it. Mm-hmm. So ha- what drew you to this? I mean, that's that's a this is difficult. These are these are difficult cases and heartbreaking, I'm sure. What drew you to this? So, two things happened in my life that really have drawn me to this work. Um and both of them happened when I was a child and um so first when I was about 8 years old, Um, my home was burglarized. I I grew up in upstate New York and, um, someone broke into my home and, um, it really wasn't about that person. He was just a young kid looking for drug money. Right. Um, but the point was we were home when he broke in. Oh. And, um, although we didn't encounter him, we were upstairs sleeping and he stole my mom's purse from the downstairs. Um, there was something about learning that next day that someone had been in our home while we were home. Right. That was so violating to me as a child and felt, made me feel so unsafe. Yeah. Um, that I really carried that with me. Um, the other event that happened to me when I was a kid was that, um, and this was a continuing event, um, was basically from about the age five until approximately 13. Um, I was a victim of pretty severe bullying. Um, also again in upstate New York, um, my parents moved to, my mom's from St. Louis, my dad's from Chicago, but um, my dad got his first job in Rochester, New York, and they moved there in the 70s. And um, they were some of the first people to inhabit this neighborhood. And uh, turns out they were the only Jewish people that lived in this neighborhood. And um, for some reason, there was a lot of anti-Semitism there. Oh. Gosh. And so I was beaten up pretty much from the age of five till the age of 13. And um, there was physical abuse. There was emotional abuse. And it wasn't just the kids. It was the parents as well. Oh, gosh. Um, And it's interesting because I think some of those same dynamics that happened to me um, being bullied are some of the same dynamics that happen in all of these um types of crimes, the childhood sexual abuse, mm-hmm. any of these, I couldn't tell my parents. And I don't know why I couldn't tell my parents. Um, I, I think I internalized it. I didn't understand why it was happening to me. Um, I thought it was my fault. Um, I thought, you know, if I, I thought there was something I could do to make it better. Um, so I, I didn't really fully tell my parents the extent of it. Right. Um, and I think that happens a lot with childhood sexual abuse. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's something that, I mean, the child just can't 
So it has no clue what's really going on. And I think that that, that confusion is one of the reasons where you're like, how? And then also, will mom and dad get mad at me because I know this is wrong? Right. Like there's something bad here. So I don't want them to get mad at me or they see me in this light and I don't want them to see me. And do you think that might have part? Absolutely. Part, yeah. I mean, there was a part of me, I mean, I was so young and I didn't understand the world. There was part of me where I thought I deserved it because I was just a nerd uh, or, um, you know, I just wasn't likable. Right. Right. And so um, I you know, I just didn't understand, especially when the parents were doing it to me. Yeah, right. That's um, so awful. Right. I just thought, okay, this is just how the world works. Right. If, if it's happening to you at that young, you have nothing to compare it to. Right. Exactly. And so finally, when I was about 13 years old, we actually came on a visit to St. Louis and we're visiting my aunt and uncle, which we did every single year. And my aunt and uncle were at the dinner table. I can picture it perfectly. And uh, they were talking about anti-Semitism. And I just kind of, it like it's it hit me that that's what was happening to right. me. And it was like a light bulb went off. And I said, oh, that happens to me all the time. And I think everybody at the table turned and looked and went, what? Or were they just horrified? I think so. Oh my gosh. I don't think anyone had fully realized what I had been going through, the extent of what I was even telling them. Right. And um, from that point, I switched schools. I, there was a, I mean, there was another town not that far away that was had more Jewish people. And the thing is, it wasn't even about religion. I wasn't a particularly religious person. Right. It, wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was just, it was a more welcoming town and it was just a more diverse town. Interesting. Yeah, that has a lot to do yeah. with, yeah, when there's not like this insulated group that is like everybody else out. Well, we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Nicole. We are back with Nicole, and we're talking about bullying. Um, so this is such a huge subject, of course, but you see it now even more prevalent with social media because bullying right. doesn't stop at 3 p.m. when school is over. Now bullying can continue into the night, all night long. It just, and it is heartbreaking. I feel, and you know, and again, not knowing different school districts, but I felt like in our school district that it was. They didn't, the, the administrative, the administration has no idea what to do with it, but also they have never, ever had a conversation about it. Like it was never like, let's bring the community together and figure this out, which I always thought was so strange. My daughter no longer goes to this high school because, um, and not, she wasn't like bully bullied, mm -hmm. but she just was so tired of the drama and she felt like, she said, as she explained it, I just walk around anxious all the time. Actually, we all walk around anxious all the time. Right. And she said, and I don't like this. And so, you know, smart girl, I said, all right, tell me what you want to do. Um, she researched and decided to do online high school. And I am so happy that's what she does now. But I always thought it was strange that 
our community was never asked to get together and figure this out together. It just keeps rolling along. And there have been, in this school district, a number of suicides have occurred. Yeah, I mean, that I say, you know, but for the grace of whatever, go I, right? Because had there been social media like that when I was that Uh, age, I wouldn't have ever been able to escape the bullying that I was going through. I mean, at least, you know, I was the kid that you would have seen that was in all black that came home and closed the door and went in my bedroom and wouldn't come out. But at least that was my refuge. At least that was where I had an escape. Exactly. And I think the kids today don't have that escape. And they can't stay away from that. And so one of the things that I try to teach with my law firm about bullying is that, you know, if we don't model good behavior for these kids when they're young and as a community, that's right. If we don't come together as a community and model good behavior and stop picking on people who are different. Right. Right. Because that's all it is. It's just picking on or someone Or that who's you're different. just jealous of. Because I think that was one of the things I saw a lot. My, my daughter is, you know, beautiful and she was a cheerleader and the whole thing. But it was it was the, the kids that were jealous of her that were saying things. And it was so interesting because when she decided to do online school and I went to the school and I talked to the counselors about it. This is what we're doing, you know, and then he's like, you ready? And she went and cleared out her locker and her and I left together. And this is the rumors that started going around. She was pregnant. She's selling crack. She And I'm like, really? Because you saw me at school, everybody assumed the worst. No one assumed she might be doing online school. It was bizarre to me. It is bizarre. And that's the thing. I mean... I don't know why we have that in some kind of human nature, but if people don't work to counter that and if people don't come out and talk about these issues, then they, I mean, that's the problem is that we let these things go on. If we don't come out and talk about bullying and how much of a problem it is in our schools and how much of an issue it is in our greater community, right? Because it's not just in schools. Bullying happens out in the world all the time. And if we don't come together and talk about these things, then it's allowed to perpetuate. And that's a big problem. And so that's, you know, that's part of what my law firm works to do is that not only do we represent kids who have been bullied, because number one, bullying, you know, people think, okay, well, it's a rite of passage or it's something that happens to kids when they're young. It can be so damaging. It can be so damaging. They show that bullying leads to future major emotional problems. Sometimes is a huge predictor of future criminality, um, huge, huge predictor of substance abuse, mental health problems in the future. Um, It causes all kinds of major problems. It's It's a huge public health problem. Right. And so if we don't get on these issues when kids are young, it creates major problems in society and it leads to things like gender violence. Right. Right. Or um, let's see, violence against religions. It's almost like the tiniest little thing that makes you different, which is one of the best things about being a human is that you get to, we get to be diverse and, and different from That's each other. Right. It would be really boring if we were all the same person walking around. Um, it, but that tiny, you know, that it could be just the littlest thing that is different and then people will just pounce on that. That's right. And so I think bullying is really at the heart of what I do because I think it leads to a lot of these future um, victimization issues that come out of it because I think if you don't nip it in the bud as children, and I like when I say this, I don't mean 
punish bullies, you know, hugely. I think right. it's very hard to distinguish between bullies and, and um, the bullied as children, I think. Um, and it's not important to label them when they're young, right? Because one can be one one day and switch to the other the next day. Right, exactly. And that's not important. We What's important is that the schools need to get on top of this and educate the kids about what they need to do when they see these situations. The school needs to be better involved in these situations. I so agree. Yeah. And they're and they're just not for some reason for a long time they've they've not been getting involved in the ways that they should right and that's part of what I work to help with well especially if it happens outside of school on social media it's like the it's kind of like oh well, that that happened we can, we can't do anything about that and like but it's never just outside <laughs> of is, school we're right? a community here you know that's right and so it's it's just. Um, it it's it saddens me when I think about all these kids that, and and you know and the whole like and the parents too. I mean, you know that that was an, an interesting thing to go through with my daughter. Is the is uh, there was a parent that was doing these passive aggressive Facebook posts. I knew that they were geared toward my daughter, and I was like. Oh, for goodness sakes alive, grow up. Right. We <laughs> you have, know what I mean? Like, did, yes. I graduated from high school a long time ago. Did you not make it through graduation? You're still acting like a high school we student. We have parents who are living vicariously and through their children. Yes, yes. And who are still in that same mindset. Yes. Mindset you is are the not right word. doing yes. your child any favors by living through them. Not they at are all. their own person. <laughs> not at all. And actually part of what I do in my law firm is I go into schools and I give um, little seminars on these topics. And one of the part of one of the seminars I, I do, I give a, a sort of an overarching seminar on preventing childhood sexual abuse. But part of that is on bullying because I think that parents should be educated on, first of all, modeling good behavior at home, like I said. Right. Which is not pick, like, do you say at home, do you say things like, boy, that dress was ugly that she was wearing today? Oh, heck or, no. Right. Yeah, or, no. Right. Or do you say things at home like, boy, she's really overweight or, you know, all of these yeah, things. That, exactly. That, that is out, going to, right. Right. That point out everybody's little differences because your kids are listening. Right. And then the other thing I always tell people on the flip side is let's not raise completely entitled children because that leads to people thinking that everything that they get is what is owed to them. Right. And that they are just entitled to take what they think is theirs. Well, and also I think it takes away from, we have this, <laughs> my, my poor high school, I'm just going to pick on them, but they they were, it, basically, if you could smile, you were on the cheer team. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. It was just like, right? <laughs> and, uh, and but some of these stunts require you to have skills. I mean, you can't just have everybody, you know, but I right. was always like, why? You know, and again, to me, I thought, aren't we doing a disservice by allowing some of these kids to be on this team and and this isn't their skill set. This isn't something they should be doing. They could be an amazing chess player, but mm -hmm. they're never going to figure that out because they got on the cheer team. You know? they, sure. you know? And it's like part of growing up is learning. I'm not good at this. I'm. I need to figure out what I'm good at. It's like part of that journey, right? Right. I agree. So, so bull we need to understand what bullying means and what bullying doesn't mean, right? So, bullying doesn't mean just pointing out what 
you're good at and what you're not good at. Right. Right. Yeah, so right, right. by pointing out different skill sets doesn't mean you're being bullied. No, it's right. it's it's you didn't make the cheer team. But here's a whole host of other things, other things that, that you can do. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, right. Exactly. So life skills, just because you're teaching children good life skills doesn't mean you're bullying them. Right. We need to understand what the difference is. Yes. yes. I love it. Thanks, Nicole. We're going to be right back with Nicole and it's going to be question time. We are back with Nicole, and I have some questions for you. So this first class is, or this first question is really about you because I'm, I'm sitting here and thinking, you're dealing with such emotional, all these traumatic cases. What does Nicole do to relax and like let <laughs> let this go? I mean, how do you take care of yourself in all of this? Listening to these stories constantly. Okay, that's a really great question, and I'm probably not as good at it as I should be. Um, when I was a federal prosecutor and um, I did child exploitation cases, which is the euphemism for saying I did child pornography cases. Oh, gosh. Um, which meant I actually had to watch the images. Oh. Um, and it was some of the most painful work that I ever did. Um, I actually went to a lecture um put on by the United States Marshals about how to take care of yourself. And um, they gave an example of, okay, four of you go out tonight and you get in a car accident. And um, he would point to one person and say, okay, you brush it off. The person sitting next to you, you know, kind of has some nightmares tonight, but then they're over it. Then the person sitting next to them kind of has some nightmares for a month and then they're over it. And the person sitting next to them has PTSD. So um, there's something about my coping skills and my resilience that makes me able to to handle it. Doesn't mean that I don't have nightmares. Right. But I don't seem to have PTSD. Now, if I would have continued doing the child exploitation cases, I think think my life would have been a mess um, just watching those images day after day. I just can't even imagine. Right. It was very difficult. I try to get outside with my family. Um, I try to exercise. Um, I just, I like to read fiction for sort of escapism. Good, good, yeah. We take uh, vacations, things like that. Um, But generally, uh, I seem to be able to just be a person who handles it, and I don't know why. It just has to do with my makeup and... um, maybe the things that I've been through in my right, life. Right, right. You, yeah. You've got you got resiliency. I guess. You know? Well, good for you. <laughs> Gosh, I would thank you. Um, okay, well, so you were talking about, the, you alluded to this. What is the FBI Great Investigation Award? I noticed <laughs> it on your LinkedIn account. Like, well, what does that mean? Right, okay. So when I was at the United States Attorney's Office, they gave... First of all, um, they love to give awards. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's, say that. Let's have a great investigation right, award. Right, <laughs> exactly. So um, I think I got a few of those. Um, for investigations in child exploitation cases, um, I got some FBI great investigation awards just on cases that I worked on. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love it, though. Awards are good. Awards are good. Especially when you deserve them. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> um, okay. 
Uh, on your website, I love this so much. We have to talk about this. Okay. This is so, this like gave me um, a glimpse of your personality, but you have one part where it says, of course, I'm a lawyer. So here's the obligatory disclaimer. And then afterwards, you're like, phew, <laughs> with disclaimers out of the way, here's why we rock. And then there's another part where you're like, you plus us equals awesome. And I'm like, I love her. I love her. So I thought this was so awesome because you think of lawyers, you know, right? And there's such this like, I'm in my power suit. I'm type A, yada, yada. And here you are just like, yeah, okay, I got to do this part. Let's get this over. All right, well, whew, that's done. Now, <laughs> tell me about that. Like, did did you, were you thinking to yourself, I got to lighten this up or I got to, is that you showing you or? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I've been a lawyer for uh, 17 years now. And um, I am really tired of the typical stereotype of lawyers. And I think it's really boring. <laughs> And um, it is true that the bar makes me put certain things on my website, but I do want to do it with my own personality, right? And I I do want to show that I don't want to be the typical law firm. I don't want to be the law firm that gets by with mass volume. Um, I want to work on each individual case and care about each individual client um, because that's what's important to me. And... um, yeah, I think my personality comes through for better or for worse in every oh, case that better. I do. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was great. I was like, wow, I'm so used to you think of lawyers as being so stuffy and you like unstuffed it. <laughs> that, you know? that was the goal. <laughs> that was I, the goal. But I, I thought it was brilliant. And I, I felt like then it, it there was like a, a feeling of comfort. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it was brilliant. Even if you don't know as a marketer, I'm going to tell you. I looked at your website and I was like, I automatically feel comfortable with her. Like, I feel like I already know her because of these few statements that I can talk to her as a human being and not as, oh, I got to go see the lawyer. Oh, I'm really nervous. It was like, she's a human being that wants to help. Well, that's good. I'm really glad that you felt that way because that's the goal. And I didn't have anybody else write any of the things on my website. I made that entire thing on my own, um, partly because um, I'm just starting out and right. I did it myself. But the, <laughs> the other reason is because I wanted to be my personality. I've worked too many places where um, I feel like what I want to do has been stifled. And I feel like um, starting my own solo practice, which I've really only been doing for a couple of months now. Um, oh my gosh, really? It's that new? It's that new. <gasps> wow. It's, this is my opportunity to do it the way I want to do it. I love it. And so um, and so, tell us where to find you. Okay, so um, you can find me online at www.garovskilaw.com. Um, I also have an office in town and country that's by appointment. Um and you can find that also, the address for that on my website, um, or you can give me a call. At and she's on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. sorry, what's your phone number? No, my phone number is 314-272-3255. I love it. And so you're, I, I, I got to tell you, and I think when we first talked, you even said a lot of people don't want to handle the cases that you're willing to handle. So for those people out there that are dealing with a very, big trauma that they're going, you know, someone, I, I don't know how to talk about this. I don't know even if I can talk about it or what to do about it. You're the person that they can call. You're the lawyer that will say, yeah, let's figure this out. 
Right. So, okay. So even though my solo practice is new, I've been doing this work for a really long time. And so a lot of times when someone discloses to me something really personal to them, I am the first person that they are ever telling. Oh, gosh. And so um, that experience is okay with me. And for, I think, some other lawyers, that's an uncomfortable experience for them. Right. Um, But I am very used to it. Um, I feel honored by it. Um, and I want to help. Um, and the number one thing that you can tell somebody who is disclosing something very personal to you for the first time is I believe you. Oh, yeah. That's Isn't the number that one thing. Right? That is a big thing because you're always afraid. And I mean, how many times have we seen it happen where someone comes out and says this happened and he's like, oh, she dressed provocatively or, you know, they may, you know, it's like, let's, let's put it back on. The victim gets re-victimized basically. Right. And I've seen it happen too many times. And so I am going to be the person who says, I believe you. And the victimization can stop there. Right. Whether I take your case or not, right. Because there are all different kinds of legal issues. There are statutes of limitations, all different kinds. You know what? I am going to tell you that I believe you. Wow. That's big, Nicole. I'm just going to thank you on behalf of everyone you've done this for because that <laughs> that is really awesome. I mean, that's an amazing thing and and um and bravo. I mean, thank you for doing this for people. We need more people like you in society. Well, I think um some of it comes from knowing probably what I needed when I was a kid and um then from experience of doing this work for so long. Well, awesome. Well, everybody out there, that was Nicole Gravoski. Thank you so much for being my guest today on your first podcast. I super appreciate it. Well, thank you for having um, me. We've talked about where to find her. Any last words? Um, I don't know. Thank you so much for having me. And I think this is such a cool podcast. And um, no, I don't know. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. For everybody out there, you have been listening to Mishmash. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome day.